Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Chatty Fox Conversations with the 20-something with me, Melissa, a 20-something. This week, I have another very special guest. His name is Javier Fernandez, and I think it's a very interesting and dense topic today. We literally get in, or he literally gets in, and he talks about everything from toxic masculinity, feminism, and we even get into Roe v. Wade. So there's actually a lot to talk about this week. He had a lot to say, and I'm actually really happy that he reached out to me. So I'm not going to spend too much time in the intro because he did a, a lot of that in the recorded portion of our Zoom meeting already. So before I start the Zoom portion, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope that you enjoy this week's episode. And don't forget to follow the podcast, Instagram, and Twitter at the Chatty Fox Pod. And leave me a five-star review if you liked today's episode. I really appreciate you guys tuning in every week and supporting me. So I really hope that you enjoy our conversation today. Hi, guys. Today I have a very special guest today. He actually reached out to me and he had a very good topic that he really wanted to talk about and was passionate about. So I'm excited to have him, you know, bring his viewpoints to you guys. Introducing Javier Fernandez. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for being on with me. Um, of course. Yeah. So I just wanted to have the chatty fox foxies meet you. So if you can go ahead and just introduce yourself. I usually have my guests also like say their age because it's, you know, like a 20 something podcast. Mm-hmm. And then their zodiac sign, um, what you do for a living. I know you were telling me. Um, you can yeah, of course. About it. And then I have a question at the end that you can like a little fun one that you can answer after. Awesome. Yeah. So, hey, everyone. My name is Javier Fernandez. Um, I'm 24. So right around the corner, about turning 25, uh, quarter way through life, I guess. I, I'm basically, I'm a salesperson at heart, I guess. But what I do for a living, I mean, I love helping people. Um, so that's what I really do for a living. Uh, but I love helping people in, in, in any aspect as well. I, I I coach and I do a bunch of other stuff too on the side, right? But my main, I guess, profession is like being a salesperson for a company. Oh, nice. What's your zodiac? I'm a Libra. I don't tatted. Oh, that's my, cool. My family. It was supposed to be like a whole family like tattoo where we're, it was going to be all cute. We all got yeah. it. And I was the only one that got it. And everybody backed out. No. Oh, but that looked cute. So they're like symbols of everyone's sign precisely oh, so yeah for those who because this is a um listen a podcast he was yeah, showing his tattoo it had it was like a five it was five of them right yeah so um the if you can just picture it if, you, if you're looking at it from the front face it's uh it starts with my oldest sister she's a leo and then um she's a really crazy story but she was born on august 4th then my brother who's uh quarries and then my other sister, who was who was also a Leo, that was also born on August fourth. Oh, really? Yeah, on different yeah. years. And then, um, then myself, a Libra, and then my mom's a Taurus in the middle of everything as well. So just a little bit of. Oh, well, that's nice. I like that. That's cute. I do have one like little fun question. Usually, I like to ask my guests to kind of like get their personality out there. So, if there was a movie about your life. Who would you choose to play you and why? Oh, wow. That's a great. I think only one name comes to mind, and that would be like Brian Reynolds. 
or John Krasinski. I feel like they're very fun personalities, uh, but the, when they have to be serious about something, they're very serious and they're very dedicated, very passionate. Uh, well, so yeah, I think that's true. Because John Krasinski, like at least obviously, I've seen him in the Office. Mm-hmm. But I know he comes out in like serious roles, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then more on his personal life, he's also very serious when it comes to certain, um, like social or like. Uh, you know, social justice things or whatever it may be. Like, he's also very serious on that end. And so is Ryan Reynolds, right? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, that, those are good answers. What would you name your movie? <laughs> oh, uh, I, I'm like, throwing all I'm, these I'm like I know, I'm, I'm like such a geek, to be honest with you, um, that I'd probably name it like some weird equation, like some weird mathematical equation, like, just to throw everybody off. Yeah, and they can be like, oh, what is this movie about? Yeah, right, exactly. And then they go and they're like, oh, wow, like that was such a wholesome movie, whatever it may be, right? Uh, that would be pretty funny. Oh, did you go to college? Yeah, I went, to, I went to UC Riverside. Oh, okay. Um, what did you major in? I majored in political economy and financial engineering. Well, okay, no wonder. I was like, oh. You're probably, I was like, you're probably like an engineer, like a math person. I was in the beginning. Uh, so I actually went into being a mechanical engineer my first year. And I actually interned for a company and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Mm-hmm. I was like, this this is not the life that I want to have. And, and this comes into terms with the, theme, the topics that we're going to have in conversation today. But it's just not the family that I want to have. It's not the household that I want to have. It's not that I want to be a workaholic and, you know, dedicate mm-hmm. my whole life to work. I want to be home with my kids, with my wife, with like, you know, all of these other things. And he just did not have any of that time, like at all. So, I mean, I completely hated it. And I immediately switched my major. Um, didn't tell my parents because they probably would have been like, just come back home. If you're not going to be an engineer, just come back home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I see that. I hear that a lot from other people. It's crazy how like you you know once you won't know if you like it or not unless you actually do it. And sometimes, yeah, for a lot of people, it's in college. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's definitely where I really, really opened my wings and really discovered who I was. And just for like a little um, background on people who are listening, so um, I kind of know Javier Fernandez because we went to the same high school. But you were like two years younger than me, right? I believe so. Yeah, because I I was in the same grade as your sister, Lupe. Right, yeah. So that's how I knew him. And then he, you know, went to the same school, but he was two years younger. So that's how we know each other. And, you know, he just reached out on social media. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Because, like, you know, the guests I've had on before are, like, you know, people I grew up with or, like, friends with. But you were mm-hmm. like the first person who like actually reached out to me and was like, hey, I have a topic to talk about. So I was like, cool. Yeah, like, definitely. And I've, I've listened to your podcast prior to coming on here, to be honest with you. Um, and that's what really drove me into it, right? They're very organic, very honest, to be honest with you. Thank okay. you. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, was, that was the point or like my whole point because... Um, like just being like you said in college um and just meeting different people I was like wow it's I love hearing people's experiences and like what they're going through so that's what I kind of wanted to do with this podcast no and I appreciate that 
yeah yeah and then actually before we get into it since you said you listened to it mm-hmm. we always talk about what we're drinking before yeah um, and i know you mentioned before we started that you don't drink which yeah, honestly, so- i support that too like <laughs> yeah i <laughs> i started cutting down a lot um because i was drinking very excessively um not to a point where it inhibited my ability to actually work or you know just go about my day mm-hmm. but um it, it was just a lot to be honest with you and mostly the beer with a lot of carbs so i've been trying to lose weight just on my own health mm-hmm. um trying to create a very healthy relationship between food and I. So I don't think alcohol is the best option to be taking in right now. So I just kind of like reduced a lot of that as well. But if you, you just say you do have a drink with you. Yes. Yes. I love it. So uh, I went to Cafe de Olla for anyone that might not know. It's in Burbank. Amazing food. Love it. Um, So I'm just having a sweet tea from them. Um, Pretty standard. Love their cup, love their design. Really yeah, amazing food. Yeah, it's delicious. It they're the owners are from Michoacan and from Jalisco. So their 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 food blend and their basically how they prepare the food and the blending of the flavors is just amazing. It's uh, really hits really hits home. Dang. Well, now you guys know. You heard it here first. If you want to go try it out, it's in Burbank. Well, thank yep. you for doing that. Actually, I have a little, speaking of like local businesses, there is a local wine bar that just opened up here in San Fernando. I don't know if you've heard of it. No. Um, it's called Bodevi, I think. Have you heard of Truman Tavern? Yes. It's next to it. So it's like right next door. Oh. And, you know, it's like a little coffee shop too, an espresso bar. Um, and their whole vibe is like 70s. Oh, okay. So I was like, let me go try it out. You know, I got a coffee during the day, but they do sell canned wines to go. Oh, that's what I have today. <laughs> it's that's a, like the second time I hear that, like canned wine. Yeah, it's a big thing now, I think. And I think it started out in the pandemic. They have those there and that's what I have today. It's uh, called Nomadica Wine and it's a Chardonnay. I don't know. If, do you know a lot about wine? be completely honest with you i tried doing research because i know your your main focus is on wine mm-hmm. try doing a little bit of research and it was just everywhere so no i'm gonna be honest and say no. it's okay. <laughs> that's, my, that's my favorite part about it though when i have guests who don't know i make mm-hmm. them like you know try a wine or something or tell me what they know and it's so funny mm-hmm. like, sometimes they won't know anything um but this is a chardonnay and it's a white wine um, I also like to do a little SM- ASMR, so let's hear it. Thank you for doing that little drink segment with me. Of course. And now uh, let's shift on to the topic. So like mm-hmm. I said, Javier reached out to me and he told me that he was really passionate about this topic and wanted to just kind of like give his point of view on it. And his journey, because you mentioned to me that it was a journey for you. And today we're going to be having a conversation on the discovery of feminism and positive masculinity in the Latinx community. So I was like, oh, wow, like that's definitely relevant. Yeah. I don't know if you heard my past episode with Cynthia, but we kind of briefly talked about it there. Too. Yeah, I did. 
I did. Um, yeah. And you know, her point was obviously from a woman's perspective. So mm-hmm. I thought it'd be interesting getting like a male perspective. So if you want to just Definitely. first give like your maybe like your first experiences with toxic masculinity. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, to be honest with you, when I I didn't even have a word for it, to be honest with you, to, it just meant uh, being a man or being a head of the household, right? I, I didn't really associate it with toxic masculinity, nor did I even know there was such thing as toxic masculinity, right? So all, all growing up, right, I was surrounded by all these very uh, machista men, right? like my uncles, my own biological dad, even including my brother to a certain extent. It was all very, very natural and, and norm, normative, right? To um, objectify women and to view women as no more than just uh, child laborers and, you know, stay-at-home moms and whatever it may be, right? What, what's, what's prominent in our traditional, like I want to say traditional conservative uh, Latinx communities and and that that to me that that to me was very like oh, okay like this is this is what life is this is how life would be this is how life is supposed to be you know and the first time that I I, I kind of started feeling like hey like there's something wrong here uh, was just like the power dynamics between my biological dad and my my mom mm-hmm. and and viewing all of that right because I was like five or six I think I was six and my dad always had to have the last word. If there was going to be a decision made, he needed to make it. And my mom has had no authority or had little authority, right? Or would push back, but would get very, very either emotionally or physically damaged, right? And that to me was like, wow, like, is that normal? Is that what life is supposed to be? You know, because I was living in Mexico at the time. So that was like my first experience, right? Where I was just like, hey, I think there's something wrong here. And then come the introduction of my stepdad, who was, you know, he had been the bread earner for his family when he was growing up. His dad left very, when he was a very young, I think he was like seven, his dad left. So he had to start working. He provided for the family, you know, he had all these things, right? But the thing is, I think it was very important because he was still growing up and being a provider, but still being raised by his mom, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I think that changed a lot within his upbringing that allowed him to be the way that I'm going to describe now. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that he's like a first gen, like breaking the barrier of what masculinity in a household is supposed to look like, right? Or from what I viewed as. And he was very like, you are not going to just sit there and not do anything. Like you're going to get up, you're going to wash the dishes. You're going to clean the house. You're going to help your mom. This and that. Blah, blah, blah. Like everything is an equal playing field. Like you want to go out, you got to clean first. Right. And I love that. I love that saying because I can, I can, I can quite literally associate it too much. Obviously not to the full extent of being a woman. Obviously I don't identify as that, but when they're like, Oh, let me check with my mom. Cause I have to clean first or I have to, you know, I have to cook yeah, first or yo, before I go out. Right. And, and that was very normal to me. So when I hear these stories, I'm like, oh, like, but I have to go and clean first. Like, I'm already thinking of, like, like when I'm setting plans, I know that you have to clean first. So therefore, I push it out as far as possible so I give you enough time to clean, whatever it may be, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, he was always back to that topic. He was always very like, nope, you got to clean, you got to cook, like you got to help out in the home. And the same way with my sisters too. Like my sister is like, no, you got to learn how to like fix your own car, clean your own car. You got to know how to change the tire. You got to know how to do all these things because you don't want a man telling you what to do, telling you what you can do and whatever maybe, right? And that was my first ever time realizing that that was not the norm in the Latinx community because I would, per se, I would visit one of my friend's houses and they would find it weird that I would serve my own plate, right? Because, you know, it's very, it's very traditional to know you you're a guest at a home i totally understand right and mm-hmm. um you are to just sit there and they bring everything to you because you're the guest and more specifically uh you're a heterosexual male it's even more of that right so they saw it and they're like hey like what are you doing <laughs> you know and to me i was like uh I'm, are we not allowed to eat yet like <laughs> you know and they were like no like uh, my mom will serve you and i'm like oh it's okay i can serve myself like you know and and these things that to me were now normalized in my home were weird around other people that's what we were, when we were we were having that conversation going through college before we even went on on there but all of that really expanded when i went to college because i started realizing all of that right so that those were like my experiences my positive masculinity experiences right mm-hmm. uh, i'm not saying that he was perfect right Right. which I, um, I I don't think he is. I don't think any of us are, but he, he was the very first generation that I felt like, like I can see myself being the man that I want to be through that positive masculinity that he's in, reinforcing. Uh, and that's, that's definitely like the, the two very polar opposites. I was right? just going to say that, like, that's crazy how you literally have like two complete opposite experiences and, you know, figures in your life growing up. And I feel like during those ages is very important. Definitely is. It definitely was, to be honest with you, because, and then also being raised, you know, not only the, the, the positive masculinity that he was in, in showing us by doing all of those things, but also allowing my mom to have more of a say in things. And my mom being able to actually speak her mind and, and all those things and make better decisions together than it would just been by one person. And I think all, with all of that, my mom was always very a strong woman, very independent. She always had to be like a sense of a house, a household or the head of the household. I definitely learned that, that women can be very, very strong and very independent. And, you know, while they can have kids, they can also have a very, very successful career. Um, but it's completely their choice. And, and, and that's, a, that's, a, that's another big thing, right, with that. With all of that, I had these two very big polar opposites in my life and come about probably I'm 17 and, you know, I'm still having a rough time with my personal toxic masculinity. Right. Um, You know, because I still have a lot of things ingrained in myself, like um, showing emotion is is weakness. All of these other things is, it was a, a lot of different aspects of this masculinity, right. That comes into play when you're growing up in a Linux community, in a Linux home, I remember, I always, always think like, yeah, like I want to get married and have kids and my wife's going to stay home. Like that's her duty. Like mm-hmm. that's her duty. Like that's, that was my train of thought. And I, I had no idea how um, ignorant, I, I want to say ignorant. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I mean, no, I want to yeah. rephrase that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it is, or maybe just like um, oblivious to other. Oblib- yeah. 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 Was your mom um like growing up I know you said she has a good career now was she a stay-at-home mom before 
No, she never was, to be honest with you. Props to your mom, by the way. She's she sounds yeah, like a she, woman. Yeah, she's she's a very, very strong woman. Yeah. She always worked, she always provided, she, you know, um, hence why she had the ability to actually leave my biological dad economically and financially, like she was just very independent. So she can she had the ability to say, like, no, enough mm-hmm. is enough and I'm leaving. Um, which is very important. With, with that, so a very, very precise example, like we were talking about, I was like, no, like women need to stay home and need, like, I'm going to be the provider and then I'm going to come home and, and, but to my, my train of thought and a lot of, I want to say a lot of conservative circles, I want to say that it's, it's very like, they, they like to, they like to phrase it in a very romanticized way. Like, no, like mm-hmm. I'll provide for you. Yeah. Like, you don't have to worry about anything just stay home. Everything's going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. I have to be your savior. Basically. Yeah, I agree. And I actually was going to point, make a point about that too. How I don't, I don't know if you mentioned your religion, if you guys are religious, but I know with mm-hmm. Christianity, um, I think maybe Catholicism too, but like the women like to be like submissive to their partner and they see it, like mm-hmm. you said, romanticized as like a good thing. Like, you know, my partners here to provide and I no matter what decision like is in the air like it's his decision, decision at the end of the day basically and they can yeah. do it as like that's how it's supposed to be in a family a godly you know way of living yeah and I'll, I'll like as we move forward I'm gonna come back into that topic as well because that's also a very important topic mm-hmm. so yeah I was raised very catholic my mom used to be a counselor for married couples in Mexico. So she led a council of all that stuff. So, so she, she, she lived a very uh, Catholic life, right? She waited, um, you know, like the whole, like also that this, this thing of like holy virginity that it's, it's another diff- huge, completely different topic as well that I don't find it to be okay. Like that, mm-hmm. that, oh, women can only be pure if they're virgin and men can do whatever the hell they want. Excuse my language whatever the fuck they want and still seem as pure as long as they provide mm-hmm. like what type of society are we having where we value our our children our children literally like you're talking about 16 17 18 year olds like these are just children young women they're children like how are we valuing their purity through sexual means like how mm-hmm. is that even a, how is that even an okay thought yeah and then they also use it as like a scary not like a scary tactic but kind of like threatening like oh if you lose it men are not gonna want you i'm gonna want you yes i hate that i hate that and 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 not not to say not to say like my sister is very like whatever it may be but my sister was so against that like she was super rebellious rebellious i'll put it in quotes because quote unquote rebellious quote unquote rebellious right she was just trying to be herself in in a in a community that she didn't belong to she knew what it was to be a, a, a quote-unquote also like a good woman because we mm-hmm. like what we're describing it in like the Catholicism values and these these conservative values right yeah but she also knew like my whole existence and my whole like perspective on my life shouldn't depend on who I married right she's like I'm gonna make a life for myself I'm gonna make this this not whatever it may be and create a career for myself and grow. And then if someone wants to come along, they come along, you know, 
And my mom hated that or just viewed that as like incorrect. Like, really? You know, yeah. Like, no, like you need to provide value, not have someone add to your value in, in wow. a sense. Yeah. Right. But my mom didn't like, again, very, very like, very traditional. Yeah. Her, you yeah. know, I don't want to excuse all of her actions because some of them are very unexcusable. Right. But it's just the way she was brought up and the, the religion, the traditions, the aspects, things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But heading back towards this, this perspective of women being like that, right? And that train of thought that I had, it was actually someone in particular in my high school um, that I swim with. She, I told her because I was very, I think I was very emotionally attracted to her because she was so, she was so quick to bring the vulnerability out of me. And I told her like very plainly and straightforward. I was like, no, I think, you know, if we, if we end up together, like you should stay at home with the kids. Like, you're going to have kids. Oh, you told her that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh my God. How did she take that? Right. Um, obviously. And she would look at me and she started laughing and she said to me, she's like, you think women are just here to have your kids? And I was like, that's when you're yeah. like, Ooh. <laughs> I was like, I like in my, in my, my brain was like, huh? <laughs> no one has it's ever so questioned that. Like what a concept, right? Yeah. And, and very straightforward. I was like, yeah. And oh, no. I know. Right. And How she was like, I was like 16, 17. Okay. Okay. And so this was like seven years, a lot of changes in a year per se, whatever it may be. But she looked at me and she's like, women don't always want to have kids and women want to have their own lives in their own careers and their own aspirations and if you think i'm gonna be like that you need to look somewhere else (laughs) and right yeah she definitely put would always put me on my place like i would i would have like a very conservative mindset on on something she was like nope she was like quick and sharp and like no like this is why you're wrong you need to view the whole thing this way that was even more attractive because it was like a form of like emotional release and emotional power that she had. Like, no, like I, I'm entitled to my own life as much as you are entitled to your own life. Right. And from there, that's really where I began my journey of being a feminist ally and also discovering positive masculinity. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and trying to tear down the walls of this toxic masculinity that I have within myself. Right. Even to this day, and and that's where really it really started right from even with my sisters too like on on a lot of different things like having conversations with them being very open with them about like how they felt how they viewed the world how you know it things just started to click a little bit better and view things a lot better another great lesson after a shortly a short time after that I was like my senior year of high school I you know I began to see women you know and 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 I mean this with no disrespect like, I really don't. And I, I've grown from that. But, you know, I started not seeing women as just objectified. Like, I started seeing women as human beings. And then there was also uh, a very good argument that I had heard from my stepdad. Someone had said something along the lines of, like, was basically, like, cat catcalling a girl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's usually that. I don't know if you, if you can probably guess what I'm going to say. But he... It's, someone was like hey that can be someone's wife someone's daughter someone's kid yeah. uh-huh. and my dad was like she's someone 
why do you need to do that? You know? So that to me stroke me like, like very different. I was just like, yeah, that's actually good that he said that. Cause I don't even think any men, older men in my family would say that. Not saying that they got called, but like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a very like mature way of looking at it. Cause mm-hmm. you know, a lot of men would say that, like, oh, that's someone's daughter. But you know, why does it have to be connected to someone else? You know? Yeah. Why do why do you need an importance of a male figure mm-hmm. to then add value to that person? If you find them physically attractive, then remotes to like I don't know, write to her, tell her, yeah. but don't don't objectify her and you know, put her in this little square where you can just yeah. whatever it may be, right? And be very destructive with that. And that's that's where I again I again continued my conversations and 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 dialogue with a lot of different people around my life and very eye-opening to a lot of my friends as well. Because the people that I was surrounded with, you know, I I had a very good friend of mine that he was very, very big on objectifying women and just women were Women were just to itch, itch a scratch, basically, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I was just like, hey, like, there's more to life than just viewing women as this. And, and not to say that I have to convince you of otherwise, or women have to show you this, or women have to be your savior and, and telling you these things that you should just recognize them mm-hmm. and respect everyone around you. You know, my dad was very, a very good man in, in the eyes of, you know, conservatism right in our in our tradition Mm -hmm. he provided for us he was there for us he you know he cooked he cleaned he washed his own clothes you know he can fix his own cars whatever it may be right it was very well-rounded in that aspect no roles in here he did everything precisely yeah precisely like if we need to cook and i'm hungry i'm gonna cook like i'm not waiting for your mom like (laughs) so many times where i've seen that where the men would just be like, oh, the wife's not here. I'm just going to order out or I'm not, I'm going to wait till she gets home. No, yeah. And he he was so like, el comal, best friend. He, he'd be <laughs> like, no, when I was young, you know, we didn't have all of this that you have now. Like, Man, he, he no would, yeah, he, he would. No, nothing. No. <laughs> yeah. He would be like, oh, sacate las tortillas, like get some mayo get some avocado just slap it on there put a little bit of salt and it just some, yeah literally and be like oh we and then my mom would come and my mom would be like oh what did you guys eat and then my dad would be like oh you know we made something it was cool la, la, la. and then, then i started bringing people into my 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 sphere of of reference point like my reference point of like where i was growing and you can see them like changing like you can see little by little, like the change and the way we we went up to women to like, for say, ask them out or uh, the way we spoke about ourselves and our lives and our lives involving women as well, like all of that as well. And, and another big thing was being super respectful with boundaries, super respectful boundaries, because I don't know if you know this, but in high school, you know, a guy, there was always that guy where my hug at. Oh, <laughs> right yeah, always like the their way of not even saying hi once they see you they'd be like hey where my hug at <laughs> and it's like yeah it's and, oh that's so, so cringe me that's so funny because in high school like that 
there was guys like that all the time. And actually, do you went to middle school there too, mm-hmm. right? Do you mm-hmm. remember Slap Ass Fridays? Yes. That like things like that, like, like I how I can't believe those were like normalized back then, or like seen as flirting. Thankfully, like I did not partake in that, but I definitely did hear. I would hear other girls like talk about it. And I'm just like, my God, like these men just don't, or boys back then, boys, boys. yeah, they don't, they don't know boundaries. Yeah. You know? Boundaries so and consent. Them, in my opinion. Yeah. Boundaries and consent. That's like big, 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 big. And I, I, you can slowly see the change in myself and these, these boys, right? Cause we were still boys. Yeah. These boys around me and even consent right where would where we'd be like hey like la 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 and then you know it was very normalized for for girls to then just go straight for a hug because it was like it was a yeah. guy right especially, and especially if they like them back you know precisely yeah even if that person reciprocates emotions doesn't necessarily mean that those emotions translate to physical physical at whatever it may be right so i started seeing all of that change and it was beautiful and you know and it got to a point where things were getting a lot better in my high school where you know you see these freshman boys look up to us senior boys and you could just see the change right and consent and all of these other great things right and i'm not not to say that i'm not taking like full credit for this obviously it's it happened over a lot of years to then change to what it is now where you know things are a lot more on on the safe consent you know, approach it with boundaries, have conversations about these boundaries and whatever it may be, right? Come to college, I'm living by myself. And uh, I, I had learned the importances of, of uh, boundaries and consent at a very, very young age from my mom and my sisters, you know, make sure that everything is okay. And even until now, things get awkward, but I'd rather be awkward than silence. I, I don't like silence, right? No. It's definitely- <laughs> It's definitely good to speak up. And that's honestly yeah. something that even I struggle with, you know, especially as a woman. Sometimes it is hard to speak up. So right. it's important also for the men to know, you know, boundaries mm-hmm. or consent because it can get really bad really quick. Yeah. And, and just expanding it to, you know, other relationships, right, that are not six cis or heterosexual but just knowing the importance of consent consent around you right and so i was in college and to me it was very normal to hold hands like very normal right like and that to me that to me like that didn't qualify as a position where i needed to ask for consent Mm -hmm. or a boundary right so i just you know like i we would be dating and i'm just like oh like let me hold your hand right and then this one girl um, that I was dating at the time, she was like, why are you holding my hand? Ooh. And I was just like, when and you I was like, like yeah, she was like, she was like, she, she pulled away. And I immediately, obviously it's immediate response of me to be like, Hey, I'm so sorry. You know? But yeah. I was like, why am I even saying sorry? Like what, what's actually going on? So she was like, why are you holding my hand? And I was just like, I, we were walking and I just wanted to hold your hand. And she's like, do you feel like you have to be a domain over me? Do okay. you feel like, 
do you feel like you have to own me that you have to grab me like if i'm so an animal like you know and i'm like i like do you think it's a leash like i don't right and and that got me really thinking too like then you you dated some very like outspoken women (laughs) i feel like that's the vibe that i get to like i don't know i don't know i don't explain it but like yeah i do sorry and i I love that i love that love it love it and i highly i highly encourage it of all women and anyone that's in in any type of dating i i highly encourage being very open to your communication and your boundaries and your what you consider to be okay and what are okay it really got me thinking like what in what do men do to show dominance in a relationship where we unintentionally then objectify the women that we're dating right for sight and that, that's this is the only perspective that i can speak of right um being right. a cis heterosexual male but in this perspective like that's what i was viewing and i started to realize right when men seem to be in a position where other men are looking at what they think is theirs quote unquote theirs they they didn't tend to like grab their hands put their arm around their their girlfriend you know kind of bring them close we uh, then objectify women in that regard because then it's like they are ours they are not yours right yeah yeah and that's true especially like you know there's like other men around and that's that's crazy because I didn't I actually didn't even think about it like that until I guess like what you said to make them feel like oh you're mine Mm -hmm. and you know maybe some people might think that's cute but then it's also like the intention yeah it's definitely it's definitely a lot of part in part it it partakes a lot in like boundaries and intentions right and and I'm not saying that all of it is qualified as you're objectifying the person that you're with and whatever it may be, because I don't think so, right? I think when I'm holding, in, in, in the regards of when I was trying to hold her hand, my intention was just to hold her hand because I wanted to, I wanted to be a little closer. And, and I know in the, in the sense of walking, you can't be closer than just holding hands, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what I explained to her. <laughs> and she was like, well, I don't need you to hold my hand. I can walk by myself. yeah and i love that i love honestly like okay honestly you know what helps like or at least helped me understand um like different love languages i'm pretty sure you heard of that like yeah definitely like you know i because i when you know when you're telling your story i was like you know i i would have thought that was cute like i like holding hands but then, you know, there's other people out there who hate it or who hate mm-hmm. physical touch, who like, doesn't mean that they don't like you back. That's just not their thing, you know? That's just not their thing, precisely. So when you're involving all of those things together with, and, and that's just another, that's just another lens to look at when, you know, you're having these interactions with, with, with uh, someone that you may be attracted to, you also have to look into that as well, yeah. which I'm sure, I'm sure, uh uh, physical touch was probably in the bottom of her list. <laughs> you know, like now that <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, that really opened my eyes a lot more to the concept of what is it even? What is okay to talk about? Like not only whether my actions and portraying physical aspects, but also boundaries of conversations. 
we eventually stopped dating just because of different different perspectives and just how we wanted to live towards going to college, getting out of college, whatever it may be. And then I found this, this, um, this, uh, I want to say like program or volunteer service. They're called the campus safety escort service. I'm not too sure if Berkeley has that. Well, what's it called again? Sorry. Camp- campus safety escort service. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know about Berkeley because I don't live on campus, but at UCSD, they did have that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I found that and I was like, oh, my God, I love this. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is providing, you know, a great resource, you know, because, uh, you know, I believe my campus, it wasn't that it was unsafe. It's just obviously for a lot of UCs and CSUs, the campus is open to anybody and anybody can come in, anybody can come out, whatever it may be. And our parking lots weren't as well lit and they were pretty far away from our main campus. So I I found it to be very, very useful. I started volunteering for them. And consequently enough, they were funded by the Women's Resource Center in my campus. Really? That makes sense. I, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. So I started volunteering for them. I was just like, I said something that was totally un, un, un in touch and not in touch with the reality in which I was in. And then just being automatically like corrected right there and then. Like, oh, you don't remember what you said? <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I just, I try to erase those moments and just capture the lesson. Like, no, you know, uh-huh. yeah, I, I think, I, I think I said something about like, I'm not too sure how comfortable we are on, the, on these topics, but I think I said something along the lines of like, ugh, like I don't want to have sex with someone that's on their period. Like, ugh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and finding all of that to be nasty. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I mean, obviously I'm in the woman's user center. Right. And yeah. there's, and, and obviously there's some women that are, are able to have a menstrual cycle and there's some women that are not able to have a menstrual cycle, which is different. Right. But I immediately was like, like, like that was just your first instinct yeah like and then they were like what's wrong with you <laughs> and I was like uh <laughs> I don't know like I just think it's disgusting and they're like what's disgusting about it you were born because of that like this and that line you know and I was just like oh man like you're right like this is true and he's like yeah you should be supportive to your partner when they're in their period like why are you putting them down like, like that makes them feel worse like they, I was dating someone and that's, th- that's where the conversation arose, like of all of that. Oh. And, and I, it was just like immediate, like it was like, I loved it, but I totally felt bad. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, shit, yeah. like I didn't, I had no idea what I had done. Right. Because I was just so oblivious. Like I was also, you know, probably cause you were like a cis hetero male in the woman's resource. So they were like, yeah. yeah whatever you say is not going to go well here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I totally understand. And, and that's where that, and this is the birth of not only the birth, but just, I think one more of the development of me being an ally to the feminist movement mm-hmm. and, and totally becoming a feminist. I, I really do. I'm like super, I'm not like super into it. Cause I feel like some things may lean a little too far for me, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, like I, do, I was gonna ask you more about that. Like, what your uh, first? Well, you said the Women's Resource Center was kind of like your first. Mm-hmm. For that. 
but like what you did after that like when you say that you're an ally in feminism like what what did you start doing since then to like know more? oh i to be honest with you i so from there started empowering a lot of women around me in in, in certain aspects like um i feel like college in particular takes a takes a certain perspective where women are not supposed to be there and i'm like no fuck them like what do you mean like no you're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want with your life excuse my language i'm so sorry i don't know if that that no, but i'm like no they, yeah like like I, I would you want to definitely and i would like for say like i had one of my friends and she was like hey like i don't think i can, I can become a doctor like that's such a male dominant area when you're applying to med schools like people look at you this and la la and i'm like uh her name was actually i'm not gonna name her let's just say her name was ali mm-hmm. i'm like ali you are a strong-willed person you can do whatever you want do not let these things put you in front because like i'll tell you this like i would t- i would tell her i'll be like you can do whatever the fuck you want like you can bring kids to this world like you can do whatever you want like you can do like whatever you want to do, just do it. Like don't let anyone yeah. tell you what you can and can't do. Okay. And and she she really resonated with that even more. Me being um, a cis heterosexual male, and also like we were both Latinx. Yeah. So she was like, "What? Like I'm used to my dad telling me X, Y, yeah. and Z, and uh-huh. you know, and then there's this there's this heterosexual male that comes from our community is telling me that I can do whatever I want, like." Obviously, I'm going to listen to him, right? Because I yeah. want to do what I want to do. And so that's really, that's, that's a perfect example of like what I, what I would do with everyone. When I would volunteer, I would, in, in whatever regard, in whatever, like let's say I was uh, tutoring, I would take tutoring more on like in the perspective of like helping out women more because I felt like that was more than just helping out men that can just gain resources anywhere else. And, but it was viewed, so, and when it comes to that, it was viewed as me being hyper-sexualizing, like, where I only wanted to be with women because of my cis heterosexual nature. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, that was totally... Yes, like, oh, why are you around us so much? Or, like, why do you want to help us so badly? Precisely. And I'm just like, no, like I, and, and it was nothing like victimizing, like, oh, poor little you, like, I need to help you. I was like, no, like, you're a boss ass bitch. Like, you can do whatever you want. Like, I just, I just happen to have maybe some knowledge that I can help you with. And I just happen to have it. It's okay. Like, yeah. we're all, we're all learning here. We're all developing. We're all growing every day. Like, it doesn't matter, you know? So that's just the way that I viewed. And I started doing that all around, all around, all around wherever I came in contact with anybody or if anyone needed help. And that's really where I'm, what we're talking about, right? Well, what yeah. I do for a living is like, I love helping people and more particularly uh, Latinx women, right? That are, mm-hmm. that are in that, because I've seen it, like my sisters came from that and I know what it is like to grow up. Like I see that, I, I saw that my whole life and even till now, like sometimes, right? So totally empowering women in that aspect, because while I do understand that our Latinx and male community needs help, I feel like their access to those resources are more encouraged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, but for, for Latinx women, it's more like, hey, this is another path, stay at home mom. You know? Like, you can do this 
too, but wouldn't you want to do this? This, exactly. And I'm more like, nah, like, yeah, you can do whatever, whatever. That's that's okay. That's fine. But like, there's this, there's that, la, la, la. and, you know, coming out of college, that's really where I, I picked up my nonprofit, right? And helping out a lot of, uh, of uh, anyone that was around me, more particularly women around me, started coaching uh, women's volleyball. Uh, well, girls volleyball. Yeah, so I started coaching girls volleyball and assisting them with like, hey, like, did you do your SAT? Did you do your ACT? Like, what did you do? Did you study before? Did you not? Okay, let's find you fee waivers so you can do it again. There's certain scholarships that you can apply just because you're you're a, a self-identifying woman, right? You can you can do an application for a scholarship for this, a scholarship for that. Here's some resources, whatever it may be. And I I love doing that, right? Wow, that's really nice of you. I didn't know that you coached volleyball. Yeah. I coach at Cesar Chavez. Oh, nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you do that because I feel like a lot of girls, um, especially in, in the Latinx community, probably don't have a male figure in their family like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, again, I'm speaking for myself because growing up, a lot of males, male figures in my family were traditional, you know, typical older Mexican men who just sit around, like you said earlier in the episode, just waiting for their wives to do everything. And I remember they would also tell me like, oh, you, that's why you get a man for that. You know, like if I'm like, oh, how do I do this? Or I need help with this. I'll be like, no, that's why you need a, you need a boyfriend to know that. Like make sure mm-hmm. you have a boyfriend who can help you change your tire or, oh, like I, I brought this up because just recently um, something happened to my car and like, I know there's girls out there who know about cars, but I don't, I don't know anything about cars. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my stepdad even was like, see, like, this is why, like, you need, or like your boyfriend or husband in the future will help you with this. Like, don't worry. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. No, like even with my friends, I'm like, Hey, like I, if you need my help, I'll be there, but I need you to learn how to do it. I need you to, you, you know, know yeah like I, I I certainly I certainly impact that all of that and I I totally encourage all of that and when I when you know that was like the birth of all of this allying and and growing all of that and and developing and then um you know also coming from you know let's let I want to talk I want to talk about a lot a little bit of this you know because it's very early on right like Roe v Wade being overturned Oh, yes. and and super impacted on a lot of different things right and um you know I really want to touch on that because I feel like a lot of people will resonate with myself yeah. and you know and and I definitely want to want to warn um the audience on, on any of this I don't mean to trigger anybody um and you know it may be a little bit more but you know when I was when I came to college I still had like a very traditional mindset and even with being in the women's resource center I still felt that the decision of someone carrying a child for nine months was mine. Like as a conservative, a religious background, you know, having my mom taught me that, you know, abortion was mm-hmm. whatever, A, B, and C, I don't really want to add into it, you know? So I, I always thought it was like my decision. Like, no, like we're either having it or we're not and, and, and not having it is bad. So we're definitely having whatever it may be, right? coming to that and then uh then finding myself in a relationship um my last year of uh college and you know being you know being i don't know like very you know like 
young and reckless yeah uh, having to come with a conclusion of like like plan b and then you know what then after that right and having a conversation with my partner and i'm like no like we're keeping it no we're not having and this was like my senior year of college right uh-huh. talking about like i'm 20 and you know just trying to push that decision on my partner you know she's telling me and she's like she's like javi like I'm in college still. I still need to be in college. I still need to get my degree. Like, and you're going to go out and you're going to start working. And like, no, like I want my life. And to me, it was like coming back, coming back to being home and, and seeing my mom, because my mom had my oldest sister when she was 18, you know, and did my mom really have a life? Did my mom really you know, grow up free. And like, did she even find herself yeah. before having a kid along with having conversations with a lot of people in the women's resource center and in, in the LGBTQ center, you know, and having these, these amazing conversations about like very eye-opening, like, Hey, like it's not your decision. You are not entitled into her body. Just the same way she consented to something. She is allowed to do whatever she wants with her own body. It took a lot to be honest with you. It took a long time to even understand that. Mm-hmm. to no to grasp the concept and it took longer to understand it mm-hmm. right and and you know obviously we uh nothing happened right the uh, uh, plan b worked whatever it may be but it, it really changed my perspective on on what abortion is and and the decision of that that it takes because i know people that i've had um abortions and these people don't take it lightly, right? They're not just like, it's a very huge decision to have with your healthcare, pro- healthcare provider, as well as your own decision to make, right? Yeah. It's very, very strong, right? And, and I want to reinforce that because coming from still like a Christian background, you can't enforce your own beliefs on someone. One, two, as you a male, a cis male, you will never, ever have to put yourself in that shoes. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. Like you have no right or ability to say anything. And number three, it's just a, a fundamental basis of healthcare and obtaining self-control. And what I mean by self-control is like you get to do, do what you want with your body. Mm-hmm. And no one else, no entity, no government, no governor, district, whatever it may be, has a right to your body. Having all of that, like, it really, like, opened my mind, like, just even more on, like, how abortion is a form of healthcare and should be included in what, and it may be, and, and we have a row court, you know, sending us back to the 1950s, 40s, 30s, where, you know, women are just, like, have no right to that, and I just wanted to touch on that because it was very, it was very eye-opening too. It was another huge lesson in my life and being allied to that as well, being totally pro-choice. And, and, and I will add this, like, while me, my Christian self, right, is, is definitely, and I, and I, don't, I don't mean to whatever, offend you, whatever it be, having said all of that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not for it, right? I can't say that I'm, I'm all right, like morally right to say that I'm for it, but I'm not for pushing my religion on someone. I'm not, and, and, and that will always be my standard, 
like that's always my standard so if i date into someone that has has the beliefs of choosing then it's your choice like it's not it's not mine to make and i'm not gonna push you and i'm not gonna sit there like and read the bible and like be like you're gonna like yeah yeah i'm just not that person and i wasn't brought up that way and and especially in that perspective right so that's another big thing that you're how you I'm just touching up on how you said like how you know what did you do afterwards, and that was another big thing, like hey thing. like hey like and and shutting people off too like you know even in within my own community and church and whatever it may be like hey we can't force our religion on someone else even the even the gospel says God will guide you to the gospel you cannot self actualize basically because I'm Christian. Um, you know, God brings you to his church. You don't force people to come into the church. Yeah. Right. Like so that. even if they're heart welcome, because I know certain, I know, and I, this is an outliner, outlier in the data, right. Of, of Christians yeah. where there's some people that will genuinely will take care of you. will will help you through the whole process. Uh, we'll make sure everything is is okay with you and your baby and they'll let you into their home, you, you, whatever it may be, right? Like very small outlier of all those, all those people. But even then, it's still the decision of that person mm-hmm. of to have, whether to have or not, right? Mm-hmm. It's, and, and that's what they don't understand. They're like, but, but I can take care of it. And I was like, but it's a lot more than just, I can just take care of it. You say it's like those people at the protests that are like, like, I'll adopt your baby for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not the point like of the whole protest. You know, obviously, the protest is about having the woman decide what they want with their body. Bodily autonomy mm-hmm. is the whole argument at the end of the day. And I feel like, um, like, I'm glad that you brought up religion in it because religion, I feel like is the main driving point of a lot of people who are against this, you know, and they just need to realize that like, you can believe what you want. Like, we're not saying be pro-abortion, you know, you just need to be pro-choice, pro having people choose what they want with their body. Pro, pro-liberty, pro-freedom. That's what you got to be pro. What, what are you? We always use that as an argument too. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, and, and to tell you the truth, like I do spend around a lot of my time around conservative people, um, hugely conservative people, like super right leaning. And it's just because of my, my faith, but these people seem to think that that's not freedom. They see it as, you know, killing and whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and the words that I have to that when someone is questioning me, like, Hey, like, you know, well, it's this, it's that. And it's like, no, that's your belief your belief system not mine and you know this country was founded on our founding fathers to uh seek a a government that will not be controlled by religion because that's what they were fleeing was religious persecution to then incentivize a religion to be part of the government is not what the founding fathers dreamt of right mm-hmm. hence like the founding founders had a huge amount of problems like with themselves, right? Like they were slave owners. They, you know, they didn't think um, every man was created equal. Right. And I'm, I'm not disregarding that at all. Like that's totally problems, right? Big, big, big problems. Mm -hmm. But in the, in the sense of these people that are conservative 
and thinking to the mindset of these 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 founding fathers that they say to obey whatever to the word of the constitution that's what they were fleeing so that was a huge tangent but and in, in, in all of yeah, that yeah. it was still relevant it's, it's, it's still relevant yeah and it's, it's still relevant that, that i have these conversations with people all the time right mm-hmm. and even with my mom like my mom is like super oh. religious and like having all these things but i fight back like i'm like hey like you can't say that There's, it's just it's just not your body it's just not you right it's not you like these these people are not just doing it left and right just because they want to like these are huge yeah. life impacting decisions and you know even for like those cases of you know people either getting um assaulted you know, it was not wanted, or it's going to hurt them. Like, you know, there's some cases where if they have this baby, it might kill them or the baby. Mm-hmm. They still like even my parents too, because my parents are hardcore Christians as well. Everyone in my family is Catholic. And they all are just like, think that it's morally wrong. So it should, it should not be done at all. And it should be illegal. I like you, I always try to tell them that it's not the it's not the issue of, oh, people want to get abortions. Like, we want that. They want the mm-hmm. choice. It's the whole thing at the, at the end of the day is bodily autonomy and choice. And mm-hmm. just to not be controlled by men in the Supreme Court, for example, you know? Yeah. All of that is, is a very relevant on aspects of things that I, that I do on the, on the daily basis on, like, allying with the feminist movement and whatever it may be. Um, and another thing, I used to work for, uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually not going to name them, but I used to work for a company mm-hmm. and I got promoted to being like a manager per se. And I started, I started hiring women. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's way too many men in this, this perspective like, area. Like to include diversity in this place. Yeah, exactly. And I started looking for very independent, strong women that, you know, are willing to kick start, kickstart their career in this respective field. And, you know, I'm happy to say that I hired a lot, at least three women and, you know, included it into it and then started diversifying it. You know, when I left the team, when I got into the team, it was six males and one female as the leaders or like the leadership team, right. In my, in my perspective uh, field. And when I left, it was three and four. So it was three males and four females. And not to say that it's all on title on me, right? Like I think a lot had to do with my sales director and my VP, but it's just also activate, actualizing all of those things as well. And, you know, I I guess like normalizing and like, it's okay. Like women can be leaders and, and, you know, this, this other perspectives are irrelevant. Like let that, let their work speak for their themselves rather than just, their gender so i i mean i that's that's a lot of what i do and um i do want to i do want to hit back to where where we were talking about like women being submissive and be submissive to your your man and whatever may be what what i what i want to do is is pull apart that whole concept because and what i what my actually what my um pastor does really well is that he's very um expository yeah so he exposes you to the bible like as verse by verse and he'll like take everything out and he'll tell you exactly what they meant and how you go about it right and one thing he loves doing is touching up on that concept 
But what most people don't read or don't view is that it's a holistic view. Yes, it starts with women be submissive to your men, but then it says, but then men be submissive to your women. And then it says, just as, and then serve your women as God has served the church. Take care of them, feed them, love them. As you doing harm to the church, you harming yourself. So it's, it's a whole thing. It's a whole view of this mutual respect between one another, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Not a, I'm going to stay quiet and I'm just going to listen to you. Like, it's a mutual thing. In the Christian world, it's seen as a triangle because it's between your husband, your wife, and God, where there's this self-respect between all three and loving and cherishing all three in the same time. And But I did want to pick apart all of that because well, that's yeah, that's something you did because like and i only said that because um i'll be honest like i haven't read the bible but mm-hmm. i see these types of things from like the church that my family goes to or um other christian people i follow on instagram who express that like i follow two celebrities who are like very christian and have said mm-hmm. Um, that they want to be submissive to their husband and that's all they say they just say like oh the bible says to be submissive I'm be submissive and of course everyone's gonna like you know all these people give them or like it backfires on them all these males are pushing that perspective I'd want to say I like I'm pretty sure someone in her life probably her pastor uh or or maybe her her father has pushed that on there but I I came across a family that that really exercised that holistic perspective. It is absolutely beautiful to see that mutual respect between one another. You know, we're both grown-ups, we're both followers of God. And I don't mean to bash on you, by the way. That's not this is not a, a form of, of any aspect because I do see that. I do see that. And that's what I'm trying to deconstruct, even from in our community. I'm trying to deconstruct that that sense of saying that no women must be submissive to your man. I'm trying to de- deconstruct that. And I'm trying to say is that, no, it's a mutual thing. It's a mutual respect. It's a mutual aspect of how you're viewing yourself. And, 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 you know, like, yeah, I so, agree. mutual agreement, mutual relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's all of that on, on that perspective. I, and I try to push that on anyone as well that I will push. I definitely do push on someone like that part, that aspect of my religion. Mm-hmm. I definitely do push on people. No, and that's I'm like, I feel like that. I don't hear a lot of Christians say say that. Actually, I hear yeah. a lot of them say the op- or the other way, saying that you know the man is the head of the household. The decision at the end of the day is made by the man. But so that so that that is on the Bible. The head of the household is the male. And the decision is made by the male, counseled by the woman. That's the whole verse. Is that what it says? Yes. Oh. So, so it's not, it's not, <laughs> see, th- these are just little things that can just be taken. And like, this is what my lecture will be on today. My service will be on today is you being the head of the household. But mm-hmm. it says, but it's, it, it's very clear. It's, it's, it's. You are the leader of the household and your decision is ultimate by counsel by your wife or the woman. And, and, and that, that, that in its own is, is said in the way that my pastor describes it is like, you both are making a decision, 
But at the end of it, like the person that should be fearful for making the wrong decision should be the male. Mm-hmm. Like, right? Because if you're not really guide, getting counseled by your woman, then you ultimately and, and end up taking that, that slack or that slip, whatever it may be. You know, it, it really resonates with me. And, and particularly the way that I view my love towards my devotion, my Christianity, that's what I see. I see allying, I see helping others and in certain regards in the society that we're in, helping uh, socioeconomic disadvantage Latinx women that are in my community, right? And I, I love the fact that you asked me because it's, it's very, very eye-opening. And I, and I hope someone is hearing this that, you know, is on the fence of like, hey, should I push back against my parents? Like I'm uncertain these and certain that. And I tell you, you're not alone. You're d- definitely not alone. And, and you should. <laughs> and you should. I mean, like you said, going full circle to your stepdad, you said that he broke barriers and that he didn't stick with like the common ideology of the gender roles in the Latinx community. So I feel like that's important going forward. Definitely. Um, yeah. Definitely. I mean, it, I even see it in my own family, but I think it should be encouraged to like have these conversations with your parents and, you know, not be disrespectful, but like, you know, having them be open to it. I know Definitely. it's hard because they're stuck in their ways. <laughs> but, you no, know, yeah. Like, like you said, that's how they were brought up. And yeah, and, and I don't blame, like, I, to be honest with you, I don't blame my mom for believing the way she does. And it's very hard to change someone's perspective simply because you want to change the perspective. Yeah. But when you're coming from a heartfelt place in which you're trying to educate them and, and most importantly, not ridicule their beliefs, you know, mm-hmm. not totally trying to tear down their values and their beliefs and you're wrong. Like, yeah. you're absolutely wrong. Like, yeah, you know, obviously, like that's not going to get them to cooperate like you're not saying like you know you're wrong abortion is right like it is more mm-hmm. obviously like you're not going to do that but again, yeah constructing that ideology to like further criticize like or not criticize like be more critical like what yeah. is this really about you know yeah precisely and it's all about that there was there was also another like that same person that corrected me about like um like when I was like, oh, like I don't want to have sex with my or intercourse with my partner when I'm when she's on her period. Um, I had like, you know, in in into a certain regard, I have like like sexual interests, what I find to be like my appeal um when I have when I have sexual intercourse is 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 not I wanna say like not norm, right, to other people, right? And so then I was just having a conversation with her and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally Christian gray. Right. Uh-huh. And, 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 you know, to you it's laughing. Right. But, but what we don't understand in the movie or the books is that he doesn't recognize boundaries mm-hmm. and he doesn't recognize consent to certain aspects. Right. And so she freaked out. <laughs> so like, and, and that's not what I meant, right? Like, that's not, that's not what I meant. Like, I totally disregard boundaries and I'm going to stop them and I'm going to find them like, and, and hyper-masculine and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's what, that's what she felt. That's what she saw. Again, I was in the Women's Resource Center, cis, male, heterosexual. And I was not going to end well. That's just exactly yeah. what you said. 
they were already on edge with you. <laughs> and she was like, what do you mean you're Christian Grey? And so then that put me in defense mode. And I was just like, um, what, you're going you're gonna to attack me on the things that I like? And she was like, yeah, if you like stalking women and not <laughs> finding boundaries and respecting, you know, their autonomy on whatever they want to do with their lives and, and saying that they don't owe you anything, like, and you are entitled to their body. Yeah, I'm going to have a problem. And I was like, oh, that's totally not what I meant. Like, it's totally a disagreement, like a misunderstanding. And, and really viewing it like, am I entitled to someone else's body when I'm in a relationship or when I'm not, or when we go on dates or whatever it may be? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, and really asking myself that question. And I, and I told her, I was like, no, I'm not. And she was like, exactly. So don't say that you're Christian Grey. You know, when you're describing yourself in the community of the BDSM, say that. Don't say that you're some character portrayed that, you know, is totally not what you are. Right. And, and um, I really started to understand. And I really started asking questions around, you know, I asked him like, hey, like, have you ever been in a situation where, you know, you guys are just dating? And he's like, oh, yeah, when are we going to have sex? It's a matter of when. Not a matter of can we or yeah. should we? Or, or like, is that what they want? <laughs> yeah. Is that what they want? Is that something? And sadly enough, all of them said yes. And, and that was very disheartening because I was like, wow. Like, have I, have I, I inadvertently gave that pushed off. that, yeah, gave that off or pushed that, you know, I never want to make them feel like the way that my, that my friends are describing them to me. I, I never want to have that. And even now, like I, like, as I was saying, like, I, I get awkward because I want to, I ask for consent and I think it makes things awkward because, but it's, oh, I'd rather be awkward than anything else. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to leave anything up for chance. It was, it was very eye-opening again to discovering this positive masculinity and then have, having that with having a lot of consent. Overcome it, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's to it be is- honest with you yeah <laughs> yeah no and that's good that you're doing it instead of like just giving in to these things that you were exposed to when you were young you know mm-hmm. but it also helps too that you that with your stepdad you know he showed you when you were young as well I feel like that helps a lot no definitely it definitely helped and, and also having my mom and my sisters also being basically raised by all women as well, right? Women and, and that, that level of positive masculinity from my stepdad, it was just the perfect combination to like incite this, this questioning or, or critical thinking as you were talking about. Open or hearing them out, you know, instead of always having to say something, I feel like you're really good at hearing them out. So with, with, with all of that, I mean, it's... It's just been continuous growth, continuing developing, continuing to, you know, teach other cis heterosexual males around me about these, these positive impacts that I have, because not only has it helped me emotionally, but it's helped me relationship wise, because now I'm able to sustain a relationship in a more positive manner. Also giving those insights to other people right? Mm -hmm. As I'm going about my life. Hence why I wanted to be on your podcast. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, well, you chose a good platform to get your voice out there. And you made some really good points. So thank you for being so vulnerable. Thank you. Vulnerability is key to growth. Yes, yes just like that one girl in your story. stories. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing them. I feel like it's important to get, you know, a different point of view out there. Because, you know, I've had a lot of girls or women um, on my podcast. And, you know, your, your viewpoint is a different um different viewpoint on my podcast so thank you for for doing that definitely definitely conversation and I feel like you know definitely people will feel some type of way after after listening to your story I'll tell you this like I'm 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 with my nephews per se because you know and my nieces we we are very strong on like hey is it okay if you give me a kiss is it okay if you give me a hug yeah. You know, that's that's very important to then continue in a generation where they're going to expect someone to ask them for consent and expect that and expect yeah. to be to not be asked for consent, but also to ask for consent. That's, and, that's a good point that you brought up. It, it's important to start within the family at a young age. Mm-hmm. And with my nephew, like I like letting him cry and showing emotion. And, and that's something that I struggle with. To be honest with you, I struggle a lot with being portrayed as emotionally vulnerable. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, and I that's good that you are taking those steps to always be open to listening and to learning. And I feel like that's a good trait and an important skill. Or not skill, just being empathetic, vulnerable is a good thing to have, a good trait. Definitely. Perfect. Thank you for this great conversation. It was oh, really thank you. Cool. And like I said, thank you for being vulnerable. Um, you know, you said a lot of things that I feel like people can relate to. So hopefully, yeah. hopefully, you know, if anyone reaches out to you, do you have any last words or if you want to tell people if they have more questions for you? Um, yeah, of course. Um, I, I mean, I do have my own nonprofit. So if anyone is seeking any academic counseling or um, even if you want to just like counsel on like what you want to do with your life. Um, totally open here to hearing that out and helping you. Right. I feel like college is pushed on everybody like a solve it all equation. And mm-hmm. I certainly don't believe that there's a lot of great careers out there that, you know, don't have to go to college and, you know, you would make an amazing career out of it. Right. Um, my Instagram is Fernandez Javier. And then, um, yeah, if anyone else wants to reach out, I'm, I'm totally willing to help out or in whatever capacity I may. I was like, damn, I might reach out to you because I don't even know what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> <laughs> Another big thing that I will say, like last remark, whenever someone helps out, I feel like you should help out. In Spanish, it's, it's a very good saying. Si te nace del corazón, hazlo. Si no te nace del corazón, no lo haga. That's something that I carry with me, right? So mm-hmm. if it comes out to me to help you, like I'm going to help you. And I never expect anything in return. Like, yeah, yeah. Anything, right? Yeah, well, thank you for that. And also something I always do with my guests, like to end it off on like a cool note, is um, I do like fast round questions. 
So ask round questions. Yeah, okay. Like a little like ending to our conversation. You know, we talked a lot about deep, real stuff. So I guess kind of like to end it on like a happy note. And so they can get to know you better. So I'll just say like questions and you know, you can answer in one word um, or a couple words really fast. Or if you want to explain further, you can. So the first question is tacos or burritos? Burritos. Ooh, the what? The pollo. I don't eat red meat or pork okay. anymore. Yeah. Honestly, I love chicken. Chicken is, you can eat it with anything. <laughs> yeah. Your go-to cocktail? A Moscow Mule. Ooh, that's a good one. Favorite cuss word? Cunt. <laughs> I, I, I always say fuck, so that's the first. No, I, um, and, and I don't mean it in a sense of like, um, like a woman, like I don't, reg I, I don't, I don't use it exclusively. Like I'm, I'm driving and someone cuts me off and I'm like, you fucking cunt. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it carries more of like that Aussie British, like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I feel like they use that a lot. Yeah. Okay. Pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Mm. Try it with jalapenos. With both Jala of them? Yeah, jalapenos and pineapple. Delicious. Oh, okay. I think I will. If you could switch places with anyone right now, who would it be? That stupid judge that ruled yes on the court. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Wait, well, I think it was a was it a six to three or was it a four to five? I think it was, it was a, six, a four to five. Four to five. Well, well one think, of them. No, I think you're right. I think it is six to three. Six to three. Yeah. Probably the the one that was pushing the other two uh, junior uh, judicials to like say yes. So you would do it for good. What's your favorite color? Blue. Uh, if you can travel anywhere right now, where would you go? I'd go to Berlin, Germany. Ooh. Three things to have with you if you're stranded in an island. <sighs> Three things. <laughs> my my answers were really smart, like smart ass answers. Probably like bear grills. <laughs> grills? Bear grills. The bear? survivor guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, just somehow I could just fit them in my pocket and just like carry just take them, and that's like, <laughs> like an axe, and probably something to like, um, say that I'm here in case someone passes by. Like, if I'm stranded in an island, just I don't that know. Is, but definitely good ones to have <laughs> if you really were stranded. <laughs> One last question, since it's a twenty-something podcast, and I know you're twenty-four, but the last question is. What was your favorite year in your 20s and why? I want to say 24. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I. What's up? How long have you been 24 for? What are we in? July? Seven, five, ten months. A lot of things happened when I was 23. Um, a lot of things happened. I mean, I lost my DACA. Week later, got appendicitis. Week later, got fired from work because I didn't have a work permit. It was like back to back to back. But a lot of great things happened when I was 24, got hired, got rehired my company, got promoted, got promoted again. Um, 
very toxic toxic work environment I, I remember seeing your post about like toxic work environments and what you're doing for yourself and, yeah. and all of that stuff and growing and then uh so I can really resonate with that because I he was absolutely terrible like terrible manager was terrible so I left got hired with another company which is where I'm working now and um been growing a lot been saving a lot been um been faithful uh, been a lot with my family loving cherishing them uh so it's, it's definitely been a, a better year than most vouch for 20 my 23rd year also being pretty shitty <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I just feel I don't know if it's like a universal thing but 23 was like such a shitty year uh, for me as well and I'm so sorry to hear about your year too like it's, oh, don't worry it's losing a lot of things back to back I can imagine how that feels and like I yeah. lost my job too at 23 um mm-hmm. so I've I mean I've been unemployed like three times in the last two years um not by well this one was the only one that was by choice it was a toxic environment enough to where it pushed me away and like I had to choose I mean like I chose for the sake of my mental health because it was just too much I'm sorry to hear that your 23rd was also bad it, it's funny because there's a song by Blink-182 that at the end of it is like everyone hates you when you're 23 mm-hmm. <laughs> it definitely does feel that way conquered mm-hmm. that through yeah. I, I mean at least at least at least mine through faith and yeah not- I was going to say, a good thing you found your faith, better relationships, better job, promoted. It looks like the rest of your 20s is, it's going good from here. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> like you said, you're almost 25. You're barely going to be halfway there. Yeah. You still got a lot. Barely. 20, like, 25 oh. is really good for, for me, in my opinion. I think you'll like oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, hopefully. Insurance goes down. I can rent a car now. Yes, twenty <laughs> six and lost my insurance, so that's I guess one bad thing about. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, from your parents. Yeah, yeah, and then thankfully Berkeley offers insurance, so I have that for now, even though I don't. Mm-hmm. Know, but you, I think through UC Ship, right? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank you for having this conversation with us. And no, thank you. Thank everyone. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to enjoy it and reach out to you. And if you have any last words for the Foxies. No, live, live well and prosper as I do the, <laughs> well, what's the Star it? Trek. Star <laughs> Trek. Yes. You heard that here, Foxies. Live well, prosper. Thank you guys for staying here to the end and for having this conversation with Javier with us. Thank you guys. Bye.